Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there to my actual right, as you cannot see on YouTube, is my co-host, Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing good. Uh, one of my friends at Springfield has gotten into... Uh, uh, sports gambling with baseball, so he's been helping me to helping, or he's been asking me to help him fill out some parlays. We haven't gotten a hit yet, but uh, one day it's coming. By the way, um, it was yesterday, so Wednesday. He sent me the 16 parlay. I said I like it, but don't put Padres over Giants, other way around. And he was like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Giants are gonna beat the Padres today. Mark my words." And they did. Nice. So that was cool. That was the Kevin Gosman Blake Snell game. Right. Right. Yeah, Gosman, uh, Gosman is fully rejuvenated now. He has. I, I've been saying, with the right luck, he has a chance to be very elite. Yeah, very much so. And, like, yeah, he was, he's one of the, those guys where, you know, he came out of the Baltimore system. You wonder, like, what could have been. And this is kind of what it's looking like. Yeah, you know, you see, you see guys like Jake Arrieta, uh, guys like Dylan Bundy come out and show immediate success afterwards. Yeah. It, but Gosman was kind of expected to be one of those guys, and it just hasn't exactly panned out by the way he also had a better fip uh from 2019 to 20 than clayton kershaw um what what do you mean by 2019 oh combined between, years? between those two years he had a better fip than clayton kershaw yeah so that, like he always knew with the right luck and you know we know kershaw's you know not exactly like he's still early, great. early 2010 he's still but great. he's still one of the best pitchers yeah. in the league if this was his peak like people are still talking about an elite pitcher exactly yeah exactly He's still easily top twenty in the but MLB we've conditioned, right now. But we've conditioned ourselves to like his twenty fourteen season. Where it's yeah. like, well, it's not that, so it's not that good anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The guy had a a two one six ERA last year. Um, he's he just he keeps going. He does. And he's only like thirty three too. Like he's got plenty of plenty left in the tank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, he seems a lot older than he than he actually is, but. Uh, first thing we'll be talking about is another team in the West, or actually, I guess, sort of previously mentioned. The San Diego Padres are losing uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. for kind of a indefinite amount of time. It's not, we don't really know. There's no timetable as of right now. But there was a, uh, yeah, he swung and missed on, I believe, a curveball, kind of overextended himself, uh, and I think his left shoulder popped out. And it looked worse than I think it actually ended up being, but uh, it's pretty alarming. And the first thing I thought of was, oh boy, we're not going to have the full season out of Tatis again. Yeah. And we're not really, people are going to be like, you know, I can't wait to see the full season. And this season might not be the first time it happens, even though we expected it. Especially since he just got that massive extension too. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when you have a player like Tatis, 
that just got the money, that's very hyped up by the media. When you have a guy like that go down for any anything, it's always going to be overanalyzed. Like, every time you see Aaron Judge miss a game, it, it becomes question marks, and that's what it was last night because Aaron Boone has been throwing miss, missed signal or mixed signals. You have the same thing with Tatis here. Nobody really knows the severity of this injury. It could be. He could be back in two weeks. He could be back in three months. We really have no idea. But this is obviously not what you want to see as the uh, if you're the Padres. And I know it doesn't take, you know, two baseball geniuses to come up with that solution. But, you know, a lot of people question the move because of the time it happened and the injury history. And this is not what you want to see right out of the gate if you're A.J. Preller. Yeah, and it's something where... Uh, you don't really know if it's a f- complete freak accident or not because I think he has had problem problems with that shoulder before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, sort of the – that was probably one of the issues that came up uh, when they signed that deal. And, you know, it, you hate to see it kind of blow up like that immediately, uh, especially when, you know, he's had a lot of promotion prior to – coming into the season especially with the rest of the Padres and you know he's the face of the Padres some are possibly the face of the league some argue the face of baseball and you know it stinks it's it because I think yeah I think if he does miss uh if he if he does miss a lot of time it's more than you know the Padres that are losing him it's the world of baseball everyone everyone is really into this guy uh, and, you know, if he misses a couple months, uh, that's a big loss just for the world of baseball. Exactly. Uh, I mean, whether this – we obviously don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know if he's going to be back uh, in the next two weeks or three months or whatever. Let's say hypothetically that this ends up as like a four-week injury or something like that. Let's say he mm-hmm. comes back on May 6th, whatever mm-hmm. it is, basically a, a little over a month after he went down. It is a very concerning look to see. It seemed like he did something so insignificant. He swung and missed at a pitch, and his shoulder popped out. It's not like there was some freak play. Like, remember when Bryce Harper slipped on the base in, like, yeah. 2017, and that just looked really bad? It's not like it was one of those, or it's not like he got hit by a pitch where it seemed like something out of his control. Like, that seems like a situation where a lot of, you know, players obviously swing and miss in awkward positions all the time. And mm-hmm. Tatis is obviously putting, you know, getting, getting put on the shelf because of that. So it definitely is concerning. Uh, to see that because you know in a in a much worse situation like what's that going to look like down the road if that event occurs yeah and, yeah and if it's happening if it's happening to him at the age of what 23 yeah um you know it's that's not the best sign although uh you know his recovery time probably speeds up because he's only 23 so that's the optimistic way to look at it yeah and I know that I said, like, this is going to be overanalyzed, and I'm doing that myself, and I think mm-hmm. you're doing it too. Yeah. But that's just how you have to do it. Like, this is a this is a potential face of the league that's going down with a with a sort of awkward injury. Of course it's going to be overanalyzed. Yeah, yeah. A guy, you know, who was, I think, top five in the MVP last, last year. He was our mid-season MVPs, uh, MVP picks uh, last year, you know, around the end of august and yeah he took the uh world by storm and it actually you know it stinks now because they're the padres are actually facing the rangers this yeah. weekend oh, uh that sucks and <laughs> tatis jr will not be there 
with the three zero count, ready to uh, upset to, to some unload, ups, ready to upset some fans making up new rules on the spot. And it's going to be in in Texas, so he can ruin their super spreader events. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun to watch on uh, whatever. It is funny because like they only went it they're because the Rangers are so bad. Not gonna really have full houses. <laughs> I was gonna say, often. did you see the crowd in game two? Yeah, it was like I saw it. it looked like a normal like twenty twenty one baseball crowd. Yeah, game uh the second game against the Blue Jays. Game one was, you know, a full sellout, and then game two just looked like a regular like July game. <laughs> I mean for like a it, last place team. Like it looked no different from any other game I've watched this season. Ex- yeah, exactly. It just like I would have been like, Oh, they're also allowing thirty percent <laughs> capacity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it it's uh, funny how that worked out. Yeah, they gave the biggest crowds to the worst team in the American League, so maybe it all maybe it all evens it even, out. It does even out, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, anything anything more on the subject? Ah, uh, no, I think that's all I got. And uh, yeah, just we just you know had to go over it. It's a you know middle of the week, bit of a slow news week. Still kind of not really knowing you know what the implications are thus far so uh just had to talk about that uh a good a a feel-good story happened over the um over the week week and a half week slash yeah a little like a little bit last weekend too uh akil badu he's been badu badu akil badu badu it's Akil no. Badu. No. Yeah. No. I, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Akil Badu has been uh, taking the league by storm. He's has a very good story. I'm not that familiar with it. I just know uh, his first major league game consisted of uh, what was it? It was a. It was a. Well, he homered oh, on yeah. the first pitch. Homer he ever first saw. pitch. Um, Grand slam next day, and then walk-off day after that, I think. Walk-off single, and then he hit a triple the next day as well. Uh, He was, uh, well, first of all, he's in his age 22 season, so it's not like a a guy who was, like, 26, hovering around the minors for a bunch of years, anything like that. He obviously made his major league debut this year. Uh, He was drafted by the Minnesota Twins in 2016, though, so he was very young. He was drafted out of high school, obviously. And uh, the Twins ended up releasing him. And he went to the Rule 5 draft to the Tigers, and that grand slam he hit, and the walk-off, those are both against the Twins. Yeah. Or at least, at least the walk-off was. Uh, yeah, the, the, I think the grand slam was, too, because yeah. that was a 15-2 to game. They had Dobnak in. That ruined, ruined his ERA. Yeah, that's right, because it was 15. Yeah, it was against the Twins. Um, yeah. So that was a pretty cool story. I, I, they were talking about him on MLB Network. Uh Buck Showalter was a big fan. I'm pretty sure he was, like, the last guy to break camp, too. Uh, like, I, I, I always notice there's always one random guy in spring training who I, like, who I look at as, like, a guy who could break camp, and it kind of just, like, slips my mind. That was Akil Badu for me this year. Like, I saw him hit a home run in spring training. I looked at his stats, and I was like, oh, like, he, he's hitting pretty well. That's cool. Uh, he ended up in spring training. He slashed 325, 400, 460, 750, 1210. Um, and that was in 21 games, 50 plate appearances. 50 he had five appearances. home runs. So, uh, you know, that was obviously, you know, it caught my eye a little bit, and I was like, oh, like he could break camp. 
and here he is now doing big things in the majors. Yeah, you know, a guy who could make a splash with the Tigers, you know, they don't have the most amount of depth. Um, it's a t- that's a team that is, is that desperately needs things to be excited about right now. Yeah, exactly. And Akil Badu is perfect for that. The, he's a outfielder? Uh, yes. Yeah, outfielder. So you can probably put him in any of those three spots, I would assume. And yeah, him, he's like kind of the feel-good. The, and then with the Tigers, you know, the... Casey Mises and Tarek Scoobals are like, all right, you're kind of ex- you're kind of waiting to be excited about these guys, and yeah. you're you're kind of having high expectations for them. Akil Badu, he just kind of came out of nowhere, yeah, and is uh, you know, seems to be doing well. What's what are his numbers so far? Uh, he is slashing 455, 455. He's yet to collect his first major league walk. Mm. That's coming soon. Be on be in the lookout for that. But he's slugging 1182. For a 1636 OPS, 346 OPS plus. By the way, the league-wide OPS is like not high at all right now, which um, I know that that's such an overreaction, but I did last year. I looked into that. And it's 702 right now. Last last year I looked into that, and I think um, April it's always like, has the lowest OPS that's for fair. the month. That is valid. Um, so that is a total overreaction, but it's because like think about because everyone. Everyone's pitching rotations are fully intact <laughs> for the most for the most part, and they have like you know their number ones going, number two all in the same order. That's um, valid. And if the weather's colder, so the ball's not going to carry as much. Exa- yeah, exactly. Uh, although it, I guess it would would be harder to control the ball as well. So that can we'll lead have to see to... what the summer brings. Yep. Yeah, that can. So right lead... now it's at seven oh two. Um, Which is two points higher than it was in 2014. Mm-hmm. In the in that uh, third dead ball era. Yeah, that that lasted the one de- year. The dead ball era of the 2010s, 2000. The, the la- literally the century. last year of Bud Selig's tenure it was like the <laughs> lowest offensive season like since the 80s. And then Rob Manfred was like, "No, no, no, we're bringing back the steroid era, but we're yeah. juicing the balls instead of the players." Yeah, in 2019, it was like a 760 or something. It was a like, joke. It, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Although the walk rates are like huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? This uh, this year? Yeah, it's like almost four walks per game, which has only been done twice in history, 1949 and 1950. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I guess I guess that has to do with control and pitchers not being as ready. And it might have to do with the uh, the cracking down on foreign substances too. Very possibly. If that if they are actually enforcing that, and I saw you know we saw the report that they were ball, looking to crack down a ball was taken from Trevor Bauer's start yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a report. Pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I think he's pro- he's definitely used substances before. Oh, he's openly admitted to it. Like, yeah. he, he had a video on Momentum where it was like, why, you know, he, he put out a shirt that said, like, legalize uh, pine tar or whatever, and he also, like, put out a video that was like, why pine tar should be legal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's obviously very openly for it. Um, I can see the reasoning why. Like you know, I think hitters would rather the pitcher not not know where the ball is going. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly, you know, I don't really care one way or another. I think the honestly the concept of pitchers won't know where the ball is going if they don't have pine tar. I think that's not completely accurate. I, I don't mean, think it is. They're they're, they're major league. They're major league. They got there pitchers. for a reason. Yeah, they can they can control a. A baseball, but 
Um, I think there probably should be an approved substance that you can use if everyone agrees to it. Maybe maybe that's the thing for the new uh, CBA. Oh man, we're gonna be talking about that all season, by the way. Exactly. Like yeah. this is I don't think people realize this off season that's upcoming, it is huge. Like it is going to shape so much of the future of baseball. It is, yeah, very much so. I mean that's probably what like the this next is, ten years of baseball. Well, I mean the last CBA, every CBA is like four or five years, I think. Oh yeah. The last one was signed between twenty sixteen and seventeen. Okay. I think NFL is like every 10 years. Yeah. Well, but either way, like, you know, we've seen this Cold War sort of going on between the u- the union or the, the owners and the players association. And I think it's all going to culminate into what is going to be next offseason. Yeah, very true. Like, I that's mean, when we're talking player salaries. That's when we're talking, you know, intricacies of the game, like the universal DH. Uh, all these things that maybe three batter minimums, exactly runners, you know, runners on and extra innings, and that's just that's just the regular in game stuff. Like, did you see what Josh Donaldson tweeted after the Kevin Mather stuff was released? Um, was was he like thanking him in a way? Yeah, he was like, "Thank you for giving us like uh, leverage during the during the CBA negotiations next off season." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's like, hey, look at these owners; they're trying to screw us. Here is video of a guy saying that we are trying to screw the players. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that was, we did like 15 minutes on that when that came out. I think it was in the maybe NL Central preview. Yeah. One of the preview shows, it's in the title, but if you uh, want to know more about that, we did a bunch about that and how that could potentially change things in the CBA negotiations over next offseason. But yeah. Uh, anyway. Back to <laughs> Akil Badu. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's a very good story. Uh, a not great story. Uh, you heard James Paxton is being recommended Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, he threw 24 pitches for the Mariners in his first start a couple days ago against the White Sox. He was removed from the game, and now he's getting re- recommended Tommy John. Uh, I'm just. It's not been reported if he's going to get it yet, but I don't see why he wouldn't at this point of his career. Yeah, I mean, uh, how old is he? Is he? He's probably late twenties or early thirties. Something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a guy who was traded to New York and was kind of a. I mean, not. I don't know if you would call it a blockbuster he's trade. Thirty-two Th- years old. Thirty-two. So he's kind of in a situation like Chris Sales a little bit. Yeah. Because Sale, I think, was 30 or 31 when he got his Tommy John. And he's, you know, Paxton has never really been known for his health anyway. He hasn't qualified in a uh, in a season yet. I mean, what a shame. Like, this was supposed to be, you know, it was his comeback to Seattle. Like, he was supposed to lead a young rotation uh, that's looking to make the playoffs, I'd say, by 2022. Like, to not have him for the, this year or for most of next year as well. And I think he's a free agent next year anyway because he signed a one-year deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine a team would sign him n- next offseason given that he's going to be coming off of Tommy John in a season where he hasn't really been particularly good since 2019. Yeah, if they sign him, it's going to be a two-year deal uh, like what the Dodgers Two did. years, 10 mil. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, have the money of a one-year deal mm-hmm. with two years on the contract. Like, you know, what the Dodgers did with uh, Tommy Canely. He's not going to be pitching this year, but he'll be pitching the year uh, after this. 2022 is what some people are calling that year. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's it stinks, but you know, it's not. You know, it definitely stinks for him. Uh, it's not a, you know, the most competitive team. It's not going to be a huge blow. If anything, it could uh, be a blow to, you know, him potentially being a mentor for that young pitching staff. I think he could still do that from like a, from like a, or a, not a physical standpoint, but like at a, a mental one, I guess. Like yeah. If he can still lecture the players on stuff and tell them what they should or should not be doing, like that can certainly help. But you're obviously not going to have him out there. You're not going to have his presence on the mound that's going to be able to uh, lead these guys forward. Yeah. If he's still in the clubhouse, there's no reason why he couldn't be, um, you know, sort of a mentor in a way to someone like Marco Gonzalez, uh, Justin Dunn, or even like, I don't know, I know there's a language barrier, but Yusei Kikuchi, <laughs> there's potential there. Um, but, you know, not a great story that you uh, that you want to see. No. Um, my question here is, why, why wasn't this recommended to him last year? Like, what did they see in the 24 pitches he threw in his outing against the White Sox that they didn't see last year when he was also very clearly injured? Like, what changed between then and now? Um... I don't know. I mean, that's those are questions that, you know, I feel like only people involved in organizations can answer. Probably, but, I mean, doesn't it seem a little weird at this point? Like, he was very beaten down last year. He only pitched 20 and a third innings pitched in five starts, had a 6-6-4 ERA, couldn't really stay on the field, uh, was kind of on and off at times. And then this year, you obviously get through just 24 pitches, an inning and a third in one start. And, you know, it's, it's very similar to, like, what Chris Sale had, where one day um, they were like, no, he's not getting Tommy John, he's fine. And then he threw once, and it was Tommy John. Yeah. Like, what, what is this sudden change that goes on in between these starts? Yeah, Sale was someone who was having problems for multiple years. He came out with a, a shoulder issue in 2018, and then that was the same thing that held him out for almost half the season in 2019. But didn't get a didn't get a surgery until March of 2020, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Luis Severino was, same thing, yeah, was sat on. He had injury problems in 2019. Forearm tightness came up, and not until March of 2020 was he getting that surgery. So it must be sort of a pattern where you're you know you're not going to immediately do surgery on someone if they have shoulder or forearm pain. It's a thing that probably develops, but, you know, it stinks if a guy has already been injured for a while and now, all of a sudden, now you have to be out for 18 months. Yeah, I mean, especially just after everything they went through, like signing him, you know, getting him, building him up to lead a staff of young pitchers that have a lot of potential, and then all for naught. Yeah. Um, anything uh, Anything more on this uh James Paxton no. story. I mean, I know you're not exactly the person to answer the whole what happens in between, you know, because we don't know the whole physical aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but it does seem a little weird to me that he had injury problems in the past, and I don't know if it was ever reported that he – I don't think it was ever reported, like, that he was potentially getting Tommy John. You know, maybe it was a suggestion last year, mm-hmm. but maybe it wasn't a recommendation, but it was out there if he, wa- it was, if he wanted it. But this year it sounds like he's likely going to be getting it. Yeah, maybe maybe there were reports out there, but it you know because it. I was, don't think there were reports, but maybe under the you know behind closed doors, a doctor was like, "Hey, Tommy John's on the table. 
I, you know, you can get it if you want. There are other options. And because he was uh, with a, because he was a free agent, not with any team doctors, mm-hmm. that honestly, that's probably the that could be answer too. why. Yeah. Because yeah, like with Chris Sale, you know, the whole off season, I remember the most of the off season from 2019 to 2020, there was talk about him uh, with his with his issues with his arm, but you don't really hear about that when you don't have team doctors looking at you yeah telling you giving you giving you timetables he was completely on his own so he didn't really know what was going on unless he was going to a personal like sports doctor that's what i would guess is he was going to his own person yeah and if he got bad news you can't you can't put that out there because you know because you don't want to not sign yeah he made 8.5 million dollars this year um so if he if he knew there was issues and Still got the money, good on him. Especially, especially getting it from the Mariners. Mm-hmm. How ironic would that be? Um, but yeah, that's that's the James Paxton story. Um, and now we get into uh, you know some players to highlight. Yeah. For good and bad reasons, we have how about that, which is uh, the good players that we're highlighting, and we have slightly alarming statistics, which is very slight. Yeah, very slight. Especially you know, I think the teams that have played the most have played seven games up to this point yeah. as of the night of the recording. Um, so we can't take too much into account here. Uh, but, you know, this is this is what we do during the season. So we have to get into the practice of it. So now the, uh, I guess, Friday, April 9th edition of... How about that? So uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So my guy to watch is a guy that's been... It was on. He was on people's radars for a while when he was a prospect. He's never had an OPS plus above 100 in a single season. I think he's only played one full season with a bunch of uh, lesser played seasons. I guess he'd played 52 games last year, but still. I'm talking about Ryan McMahon, who yeah. had a strong week. So far this season, he's slashing 360, 385, 920 for a 1305 OPS. And obviously a lot of that is driven by one particular game, and I'll highlight that later. So he entered Thursday... Uh, with as one of 16 position players with 0.5 F4. So he is in the top 16, essentially, among position players, which is excellent. And on a Savant page, there are a lot of improvements that have been made uh, over last year where he, had, where he played in 52 games. And obviously, you know, it's seven games, not a lot, but certainly encouraging what we've been seeing from Ryan McMahon. His ex-WOBA has gone from the 21st percentile last year to the 96th this year. His ex-batting average, this was the biggest one, went from the 7th percentile to the 93rd. His ex-slug went from the 32nd to the 94th. His K percentage went from the 5th to the 85th. And his outs above average, this might be the most impressive one because you don't usually see these kinds of improvements on defense year to year. It went from 38th to 98th percentile. Hmm. And he had a three-home run game the other day against the Diamondbacks. Unfortunately, they still lost in extras, but what are you going to do? It clearly wasn't Ryan McMahon's fault. And he is the only player in National League history to have a game with three home runs and a double in his team's first five games of the season. About that? Oh, whoops. How about that? So Ryan McMahon is my how about that for those reasons. There we go. Uh, Ryan McMahon, yeah, kind of coming out of the woodwork finally, mm-hmm. um, potentially setting up for maybe his first good, uh, good season of the year. 
as I'm pulling up my how about that. Um, my player, my player to highlight is uh, Craig Kimbrell. This guy uh, has been, you know, in his time in Chicago, has been known for uh, bad play. I mean, it was a, it was a very very steep decline once he left Boston. Yeah, and we could kind of see the writing on the wall in like the 2018 postseason, uh, but he's turned the ship around as of late. Uh, so far this year, including today, Thursday, April 8th, 2021, 14 batters up, 14 batters down, nine strikeouts. And, you know, the counter-argument against this meaning anything is that he's faced the Pirates in three of his four outings. But this is still a major improvement as they have... Uh, they The Pirates actually slugged 1,000 off him in 2019 and 2020 combined. So, you know, he wasn't someone who was having particular success with them before, and now uh, just mowing him down, hasn't allowed anyone to get on in his three outings against them. And in his last in his last 18 outings, you know, going back to last year, he has thrown 17 and a third innings pitch, allowed two runs, and struck out 33 batters. That is a 1.04 ERA and 17.1 strikeouts per nine. So it's looking like, uh, it's looking like Craig Kimbrell is kind of kind of back. Uh, so yeah, here we go. How about that? You know, maybe a reliable closer once again. Maybe a back on back on his Hall of Fame track. Yeah, I mean, he very much needed that. So, you want to get into the next segment? Yeah. Uh, so now we go from the highs to the lows, going from the yeah highlights to lowlights. This is our Friday, April 9th edition of slightly alarming. So, what is your slightly alarming? My slightly alarming is one of my players to watch from this year, actually, uh, who has who I've not been too impressed with, because he's kind of contradicting everything that I highlighted about him a few week, a few weeks ago. And we talked about James Paxton earlier and how he's not going to be able to lead this young rotation. And one of those guys includes Marco Gonzalez, because he is in that rotation. He was kind of looked at as the ace. He had a 3.10 ERA last year and had. A magnificent walk rate. I think he led the league in walks per nine, if not him, yeah. Kyle Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made his second start of the season today against Minnesota. Obviously, a very good lineup. And he, granted, he's faced two pretty good lineups this year in the Giants and the Twins. Giants have a very under the radar lineup, in my opinion. Uh, but regardless, I have not been impressed with Marco Gonzalez. 10, 10 and a third innings pitched in these two starts, a 9.58 ERA, and five walks. Those five walks are huge. Uh, because he only had seven walks in all of last year in 69 and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, with much, much less than that. He's already almost tied his walk uh, count from last year. And nonetheless, keep in mind uh, that the last time he had multiple games with back-to-back walks was his last two starts of the 2019 season. So Mm -hmm. he's been on a particularly bad pace that is not anything like him. Slightly alarming. So that is Marco Gonzalez. Um, for my slightly alarming, and this is slight, uh, I'm not focusing on one starter. I'm focusing on a group of starters, particularly in the Bay Area. Um, right now they're playing... The entire team is a slightly alarming. Very much so. Uh, as of this recording, they are playing the Dodgers. So these stats... Or no, they're playing the uh, Astros, Astros right now. And they are down one nothing. And their starter is uh, doing okay. 
Three three innings, one run. But so. this starter is not anyone we had on our radars this year. Yeah, no. Uh, the Oakland starters this year, coming into Thursday, uh, they had a league-worst 8.10 ERA, and they have they have had five starters give up, or, you know, five of five guys who have started games gave up four-plus earned runs in a start. No other team has had more than three starters do that coming into Thursday. So, uh, you know, I in in my defense of them winning uh, their second AL West title in a row, I pointed out, like, they got five number threes, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but right now, that project is not looking great. Um, you know, they've faced the Astros and Dodgers. Dodgers, I get. But the Astros lineup, it's not the same as it was well, it's definitely not the same as it was in 2017 for no. other reasons than personnel. Uh, but also, their personnel is down after oh. losing uh, George Springer. Yuli Gurriel's getting a bit older. Um, Jose Altuve not seeing the ball quite as well. So, you know, they struggled against uh, an Astros offense that isn't quite the same. So that's why, that's why they are slightly alarming. So uh, I'm getting some reports here. Oh look, uh, coming in from Rosenthal. I want to check on Twitter because I saw a Bleacher report. Um, yeah, Trevor Bauer is under MLB investigation for foreign substances. Yeah, that's not a coincidence at all no. that they chose him. Um, yeah, I mean, his defense—he probably uses substance, substances. His defense is that. And uh, there's actually, yeah, he actually posted in a video about this. Every other position player can have pine tar. So, uh, yeah, we can, he can def- maybe point out uh, one of the people in the field as using pine tar potentially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who went from, you know, being in like the 80th percentile in spin rate to 100th last year. Yeah. Uh, made like a crazy, crazy jump. Had the highest spin rate out of anyone in baseball last year. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, well, that I'm, could. Uh, I'm glad you said that because according to this athletic article by Ken Rosenthal, and I quote, according to, league's pre- according to the league's March 23rd memo, which was sent by MLB Vice President of On-Field Operations Michael Hill to high-ranking officials with all 30 clubs, the commissioner's office will review StatCast data this season to analyze changes in spin rates of pitchers suspected of using foreign substances and compare those spin rates to the pitchers' career norms. However, sources said the scrutiny of Bauer on Wednesday arose not from spin rate analysis, but balls being brought to umpires' attention. So, I mean, you mentioned the, the raise in spin rates. That's exactly what they're going to be looking at. Yeah, and, you know, back to uh, Bauer's content producing, but he's he uh, p- pointed out, like, a guy can use a guy can use a substance from the first start of his from the first game of his career on, and there could be no sudden rise in spin rate because he was using substances the whole time. But Bauer probably adopted it some at some point, you know, recently in his career. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll pay a consequence for this, uh, which is, you know, if they're, if they're really trying to enforce this, 
they can make an example out of Bauer. I mean, Bauer's really... the easiest guy to make an example out of. Like, he straight up admits to doing it. Like, he literally yeah. made a video saying pine tar should be legalized. He put out a shirt that said legalize pine tar. Like, there's no doubt that Bauer's a guy that should be suspect. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's a high-profile pitcher, so it could let up-and-coming uh, pitchers know that this will not be tolerated if if that's the message that they're going for. But I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I really feel about about uh, the substances. It's weird. It's not, it hasn't been really policed before ever. Um, and now, now it, now it could potentially be that. So that's another thing that's slightly alarming. Yeah. Or if you hate the idea of substances, maybe that's a how about that for you. Uh, so now on to the uh, preview of the weekend ahead. I think there's a lot of interesting series going on. In this I love that we don't weekend. we aren't just limited to individual matchups this time. Yeah, like we can branch off finally. Yeah, um, I think I there's not one particular one. I could give a yeah, I could I mean, give a reason for plenty of these why you should be watching. I'd say I think my series to watch is Blue Jays versus Angels. Like, first of all, you have the Blue Jays playing at a spring training facility, obviously, because uh, the borders of Canada won't let people in. That's understandable. Uh, people aren't vaccinated yet. You know, they don't want too many teams just coming in and out of the country, potentially bringing yeah, COVID. In the, in the NHL, they have an all-Canada division. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Um, with that being said, I talked pretty extensively last year about how the Blue Jays' offense was just absurd at Salem Field. Like it was just, it was just not even close to what they were on the road. I'm really interesting, really interested to see if they could replicate that same success. Uh, I know that this is kind of cheap because it's my second show in a row picking the Angels series as my series to watch. Uh, but you know, you have Robbie Ray potentially coming back. That is a, a watch in itself, regardless of of where it is, who they're playing. It doesn't matter. Robbie Ray is always a must-watch uh, site. You obviously have Mike Trout, Rendon, Otani. You have these guys that, you know, are looking pretty interesting. Like, they very easily could have taken two out of two from the Astros in this series. They had the great comeback win in game one, and uh, it took them to the top of the ninth in game two, uh, where Carlos Correa obviously hit the two-run home run. But that's a four-game series starting tonight. The Blue Jays are up 5-4 to four in the seventh inning right now. I think it's going to be a tight series all weekend, and it's really going to send a message about who is the stronger team out of these two that are sort of competing for a playoff spot under people's radars yeah yeah um the i have two series i'm kind of looking at um and they both kind of have the same theme one of them started tonight one of them is starting tomorrow night um and it's defending division champions angels tied it up uh they're these are defending division champions who started out slow and are facing teams for the second time the teams they started slow against. It's Braves versus Phillies, and it's uh, Athletics versus Astros. Um, there's potential for the Phillies and Astros to maybe create early separation. You know, it's not you know, necessarily the biggest thing in the world right now in terms of implications, but these games count too, and they'll add up towards the end of the year. So maybe, maybe the Braves bounce back, or maybe the Phillies can uh, create some separation. Same thing with the Athletics maybe bouncing back, or the Astros creating some separation early. Uh, so those those two particularly incre uh, intrigue me. 
uh, especially you know we even though we talked about getting outside the division um those are two in individual in divisional yeah intra yeah i think intra divisional matchups something like that i think that's about it yeah uh yeah intra divisional matchups that intrigue me for uh those specific reasons so i guess that wraps up this uh midweek episode of above replacement radio uh we hope you enjoyed this one if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore kurt and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio and uh we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on monday maybe i don't know tuesday if we're not feeling it uh, where we're going to be talking about the weekend that we just previewed see you then yeah